And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hope you guys had a fantastic Super Bowl weekend. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by the great Eric Brakey. Uh, always a great time talking to Eric. Uh, we, we discussed the, the future of the liberty movement and uh, what, what we should be doing as libertarians and conservatives to, uh, to advance the cause of liberty and make sure that uh, our society remains free. Um, and then and we can advance the cause of liberty moving forward. Um, specifically, you know, what we should do, uh, whether it's supporting the GOP or the Libertarian Party or, and all that. We, we do a deep dive on that. I think you guys will really enjoy it. Before I get to Eric, uh, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmickPod. Uh, please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your pod, podcast. Please subscribe. Uh, and if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved with the show, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right. Without further ado, the great Eric Brakey. All right, guys, we're here at the great Eric Brakey. Eric, my friend, how you doing? I'm doing well, Brady. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Thanks for doing it. It's been a, I just, I just looked, it's been uh two and a half years <laughs> since you've been on the show. It's been, it's been a while. Um, so look, uh, the reason why I wanted to have you on today, you and I both have been, been a part of uh, some interesting and important conversations uh, lately regarding the future of the liberty movement, specifically how that relates to the GOP and, and the Libertarian Party. And that's what I want to dive into. Uh, but first, uh, you know, I have to mention the Super Bowl, obviously a, a bizarre uh, Super Bowl. Uh, your thoughts on on a uh, 75-year-old Tom Brady uh, winning his, his uh, 24th ring? You know, I feel like I'm not supposed to admit this publicly, but I've never really, I've never really followed sports all that much. I showed up for a Super Bowl <laughs> party mostly to, to uh, uh, you know, to uh, to go against all the the, the COVID police who right. want to tell us we can't get together with our friends and family. But uh, you know, I kind of watched a little bit and then stood on the sidelines and talked with other people about liberty politics. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I know a lot of libertarians and conservatives and. You know, right wingers are upset uh, this morning because of all the the woke commercials. I'll be honest with you, um, crypto was on jet fuel last night, <laughs> so I was watching. I know. I, I was watching. I, I had my eyes on Doge, man. So I was not paying attention during the commercial breaks. I was I was paying attention to my my trading apps. So I, yeah, I, I didn't watch the. Uh, from what I gather, um, the corporations want us to vote for Democrats. I, I think <laughs> I think that's what I'm getting from uh, the reaction to the commercials last night. What a what a crazy what a crazy kind of flip from how I remember it this whole narrative when I was younger that the Republicans were the corporate party under right. George W. Bush and it's just kind of crazy how how uh, how quickly things change. Yeah, yeah, uh, time really flies, man. Um, so look, uh, you you debated Dave Smith, who's great on on Lions of Liberty um, last month on the topic of of the GOP versus the LP and and what libertarians should do moving forward to advance the cause of liberty. And actually, uh, me and Brian Nichols had a, a similar discussion the same time period on the same topic. So I actually didn't listen to your debate. I didn't want to be influenced by by you and Dave. Um, Which side of the debate were you on, Brady? I was on the GOP side. I was on the GOP side. Oh, all side. right. Yeah. 
And so, uh, from what I gathered, you were as well. Why do you believe that uh, the GOP is the best path forward? Well, first of all, let me say that uh, I appreciate anyone and everyone who is putting their time and energy into the cause of liberty, no matter what strategy they think is best. 100%. Uh, if, if you're getting out from you know behind the keyboard and out in the real world and doing things to promote liberty, like more power to you. So what Dave and I were debating was was uh, you know not a debate of ideology. We very much kind of agree mostly on ideological grounds, just a debate of strategy. Right. Um, and it was a very friendly debate. But ultimately, I, I do think that putting so much of our time and energy into the LP as a strategy is is a real missed opportunity uh, for a number of reasons. I mean, first of all, I think that we have to understand uh, sometimes we kind of wrap uh, these parties up in ideology. We say that, oh, well, if you're a libertarian, you need to be in the libertarian party because that's the party that believes in liberty. And how can you be in the party with uh, <laughs> all these neocons, Dick Cheney, or you know, is that what represents you? But no, we need to separate ourselves from that because ultimately at the end of the day, political parties are simply vehicles. Uh, they are ideologically neutral machines. Uh, where the machine goes and what the machine does depends on who's in the driver's seat. And I want to make liberty as much as possible in the driver's seat of the Republican Party. And I think that that's, that's not uh, an unachievable goal. In fact, we've, we've accomplished a lot over the last few decades to show how possible it is. Um, you know, when I was the state director for the Ron Paul campaign in Maine in 2012, we took over the main Republican Party. We showed up in force with Ron Paul supporters at the convention as delegates and bigger numbers than the Mitt Romney supporters. It wasn't rocket science. And we took over the GOP. We could do that in Maine. We could do that in any in any state. Uh, in fact, we accomplished that in several states that year in Maine, in Iowa, in uh, Minnesota, uh, Nevada. Um, that, that was a that was a really a really great year. And then, of course, Trump came along and kind of built on the populist kind of movement that had grown under Ron Paul. And he accomplished what, you know, we weren't necessarily fully capable of doing. Now, um, he, he took it further. Now he took it further with a populism that wasn't kind of uh, grounded in in real liberty principles. Right. But but the but the blueprint is still uh, is still the same. So. Um, Anyway, so I think that's the first thing people have to realize is that political parties are are ideologically neutral machines. You have to ask yourself, you know, if you know, which one do you want to be behind the wheel of? Which one is going to get you closer to your goal? My goal is to free America. I want to live in a free society again, grounded in the principles of individual liberty. And you know, if the path to doing that is through winning elections and changing policies and actually you know, grabbing hold of these levers of power so we can dismantle this machine of power and restore freedom and liberty, then we have to really grapple with some, you know, truths. And one of those truths is, is the machine, this machine of elections is rigged against a third party. It's a two party system because of the, the plurality based elections that we have. Uh, so you could take over a third party like the Libertarian Party and good for you. But what do you actually have? You've conquered a molehill. Right. There's a reason that it's well, is so easy to take over the Libertarian Party versus the GOP. It's because nobody in power actually is doing anything to, to try to stop us. 100%. There's, it's not a threat to them. But, but taking over institutions within the GOP, which we can do and we are doing from the bottom up yes. through state legislative elections, we've elected hundreds of Ron Paul supporters uh, as Republicans to state legislatures across the country this past year. 
more than we ever have in the history of the Ron Paul movement. Ron Paul supporters are now the majority of the majority in the House of Representatives in New Hampshire. That's a benchmark we've never achieved before. We're on the cusp of starting to accomplish some very interesting things. Uh, and especially right now, as we're entering a time of civil war in the GOP with no clear leaders, the neoconservative faction is weaker than it's ever been. The Trump uh, populist faction is kind of, you know, a little aimless right now. Uh, now is the time for the liberty movement to really step up, to provide the intellectual framework for all of those folks in the Republican Party who are uh, who are against the things that we're against, against the war machine, against the Republican establishment, against the deep state. All of these things, uh, they're, against, they're against many of the same things we're against, and we are in, a, in an opportunity, we have an opportunity right now to provide the intellectual framework and to make huge advances in uh, using the Republican Party as a machine to advance liberty. <laughs> Eric, man, uh, look, I, I'm going to dive deeper into a, a bunch of different things that you just said, but I can't really add to it because those are my thoughts exactly. <laughs> I mean, look, if the audience uh, was hoping for a debate between us today, I, I don't think uh, uh, I don't think they're going to get it because I agree with every word you just said. Um, it, it, and most importantly, it's it's that we need the GOP's infrastructure. I mean, that's that's the bottom line here. And you know, the most successful messengers of liberty have been Republicans. I mean, you can go back to Calvin Coolidge, I guess, would, would be the most libertarian, you know, president uh, in history. And he was a Republican. In modern times, obviously, the two most influential libertarians have been Republicans named Paul. <laughs> OK, and that's right. just the bottom line. I mean, like if, if Ron Paul, who, who was a former member of the Libertarian Party in, in the 70s and 80s, um, decided to stick with the LP, he would have just been a, a, a small town libertarian physician. Which, of course, there's no shame in that. Um, yeah. of, of course, he still would have had a great life and, and he, probably he, a much less stressful life <laughs> down there in probably, Texas. He probably wouldn't have even been a footnote in history. No, but because he chose to run for office as a Republican, he brought more people into the liberty movement than anyone ever. Is, is that is that fair to say? And that, that's just the difference between the, the infrastructure within the GOP versus a third party. Right. And I think you're absolutely it's it's about the infrastructure. It's about the fact that, um, you know, the, the it's about the fact that millions and millions of people don't look outside the box that they are kind of registered to. We have yes. a very kind of tribal mentality in America, and they're not going to look at an LP candidate any more than they would look at a Democrat candidate. People are kind of stuck in these in these narratives. Uh, but we have. We have the message, you know. I mean, look at the Tea Party wave. I mean, uh, certainly there were there were huge flaws in the Tea Party wave, but this was an example of a real populist movement that yes. was grounded in, in libertarian principles, uh, even if it was, uh, you know, not always perfect. And you know, it brought in a big coalition of folks who tried to co-opt it for other things. But uh, but this was a populist liberty wave that gave us folks like Rand Paul. And Thomas Massey and Justin Amash, uh, Mike Lee, and and Mike Lee, we we and we need to now in the Trump era that kind of populism became kind of detached to those limited government principles. We need to see what we can do to bring that populism back to the principles of limited government, uh, and uh, and you know if people really want to challenge these institutions that have so much power over our lives. Then that's exactly that's those are exactly the only principles that are going to work. Right, and and obviously I have my issues with the Republican Party as it sits right now. Of course, as as a, somebody who loves liberty, I mean you could, I mean, 
right. pull I out the most, list. Like I, I get I it. I think and, most. Of, I think most of the people who are uh, advocating the Libertarian Party route have problems with the leadership of the Libertarian Party. Oh, so course. we're in, we're in similar situations. It's about what you want the parties to be, not what they are currently. But I I, I just think all libertarians should be thanking God for the GOP. I, I think uh, just some practical, just some practical examples of the importance of the GOP. I, I know this sounds kind of hyperbolic, but if Rand Paul, for instance, if Rand Paul was a member of the Libertarian Party, we'd probably be at war with Iran right now. <laughs> okay, literally. I mean, Rand Paul becoming a Republican senator who was golf buddies with a Republican president more than likely saved the lives of thousands of people in the Middle East. Like, I don't think it's going too far to say that. Like, and I'm glad Mike Lee is on on the short list to become a Supreme Court justice. Okay, like, and he mm-hmm. he's still on the short list through the Heritage Foundation and others. Like, next time there's a Republican president, he could appoint Mike Lee. He or she could appoint Mike Lee to the Supreme Court, and it could the GOP could be the difference between Mike Lee being a random lawyer in Utah, and sitting on the Supreme Court for 30 years <laughs> and saving the right. Republic. You know, I'm glad Thomas Massey is Thomas Massey, not some just weird engineer living off the grid somewhere in the woods. Okay. Right. <laughs> like, th- right. These, these things are important. Right. And, and, and I think that's where, you know, people need to recognize when they think of a Republican who's like an opponent of Liberty, you need to remember that. So like the Republicans are not our enemies. The neoconservatives are our enemies. Right. These are the folks we're fighting for control of the, of this framework. Um, uh, and, and, you know, we need to continue fighting them. But the most the most, you know, the most effective place to fight the neoconservatives is in the Republican primaries for control of this party, which, frankly, the base of the party hates their guts these days. Uh, I mean, who hates who hates Liz Cheney more, Democrat voters, libertarian voters or Republican right. voters, probably <laughs> right. Republican voters right. more than anyone right now. Uh, maybe not always for the right reasons. But of course, there's nothing I love more than seeing Matt Gates go to Wyoming uh, in Liz Cheney's backyard and hold a big rally with one of our Liberty legislators we just got elected to the Wyoming legislature uh, and calling out Liz Cheney for having the blood of American soldiers on her hands. I mean, right now, Republicans are celebrating, you know, the great accomplishment of Donald Trump is that he didn't start any new wars. Right. Now, certainly his foreign policy record is a little bit more mixed than that. But but even the fact that that's what Republicans want to celebrate, that's not something Republicans would have been celebrating 10 years ago. Uh, 10 years ago was all about who could pound their chest the loudest and call for the most wars. So uh, things have turned the corner. And right now, I think the liberty movement has has a real opportunity uh, to uh, to strike when our enemy is weak, to, to you know, to go into the Republican Party, uh, defeat the neocons and uh, and really, you know, make this party as best we can a vehicle for the advancement of a free society. Absolutely. And and. You know, and just a, just a side note, I want to get back to the fight for the, the soul of the GOP, because I think that is the most important thing happening right now politically in the country. Um, but, like, the people that just hate the two-party system, and I used to I used to advocate, oh, man, we need, you know, three, four, five major, you know, powerful parties, you know, because how, how are Liz Cheney and Thomas Massey in the same party, you know, all that. But I, I, I've actually changed my mind on that, because, <laughs> um, one, it's all coalition building, whether you're in a two-party system yeah. or whether you're in a parliamentary system like, you know, in the U.K. or Israel or elsewhere, it's the same thing, really. You know, because there's four, there's essentially four parties. Let me know if you agree with this or not. There, there's four parties within the GOP. It's all coalition building. There's the libertarian wing, the conservative wing, the populist wing, and the establishment wing. And in, in, in this is the fight. And we need all libertarians, all, all hands on deck right now, because the establishment, they can't win elections. I mean, they're they're basically useless. And the populists, you know, they're not 
Ron Paul populists. The, the populists right now, like the Josh Hawley, Tucker Carlson types, they're leftists. I mean, they're they're economically they're big government leftists. Like if if they take over the GOP, it's all over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then you get England, where you know the you know it's right wing. There's no conservative like the Conservative Party of England's not conservative fiscally or anything. They're just right wing big government versus left wing big government. So that can't happen. So it, the, the winning factions have to be a coalition of the conservatives and the libertarians because the establishment are they're useless and then the the populists are dangerous. So it's like if if our faction of of the libertarians and our friends on the conservative side if we don't win out, it's gonna be tough sledding for decades. Yeah. You're, you're you're right that it, it is a, it is a mistake to look at a political party as a monolith. It is it is a uh, it is assembly of coalitions for the simple purpose of trying to get to 50 percent plus one of the voting base. Um, and there are at different times in the party different parts of that coalition that coalition that are more dominant. I'd like to see the liberty wing of the party be 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 uh, more dominant. And th- to the question of whether or not we should have third parties and fourth parties and fifth parties. You know, uh, I'm open to that debate, and and I think that maybe there's some merit to the idea that we should. But the simple fact is, the system as as it is written right now, um, it's it's like playing Monopoly and and trying to play by the rules of checkers. You know, the rules are set the way that they are, and if you want to change the rules, you need to be able to win first. You only yes. get to change the rules if you win. So if you want there to be a system that is more accommodating to third and fourth parties, if you want policies like ranked choice voting or things like that that allow for you know third parties to do things other than just be spoilers in the race, uh, then you got to get into a position to change the rules. And you can only do that by playing under the rules of the two-party system. Getting elected, uh, if you're a liberty person, as a Republican is the best vehicle available to get elected. And then from there, you can make change. And some states are making change through, through, through uh, state legislative processes. So if that's something you care about, become a Republican, run for office, win, and then work to make change there. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people understand the importance of these state house and state senate and state assembly races. I mean, one, we're looking at I mean, just a, on a practical matter, we're looking at redistricting here soon. Um, <laughs> we have an yep. opportunity to, to gerrymander some of our opponents on the left right out of a job. So uh, yeah. obviously, these state just explain the the importance of of running for you know local office. Well, I would I would argue today that a single uh, member of your state legislature has more power to actually change policy in America than a member of Congress. I agree. I mean, I mean, Congress, if you're just a regular member of Congress, you can't even sponsor an amendment without Nancy Pelosi, like signing off on it. Right. Uh, The 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 leadership just completely controls Congress to the point where I mean, what gets accomplished in, uh, in Congress today? They name post offices. Like that's what they spend most of their time doing. Uh, nothing of substance ever changes. Uh, um, uh, you know, it's it's like it's like our federal government is on autopilot. Uh, and frankly, that's how <laughs> the bureaucracy of Washington D.C. likes it. So uh, if you want to make change, run for your state legislature, run as a Republican or whichever party you know has the most viable path. You know, I've heard of people trying to run as Liberty Democrats before. If you're in an area that's like 80% Democrat, you, you know, hey, if you got a path to winning the primary there, you know. Go for it. Do it. Use whatever vehicle will help you win. Um, 
but uh, but understand that the goal needs to be to actually win if we want to change things. So, you know, right now in the legislatures across America, we've elected hundreds of liberty legislators this past cycle. We're starting to see some interesting things. These are legislators who are who are challenging the uh, these these dictatorships in the states with these uh, with these um, never-ending emergency orders. These are legislators who are pushing school choice through education freedom accounts, gun rights through constitutional carry, uh, pushing right to work laws. So many things that challenge uh, challenge these kind of institutional power structures and restore freedoms and liberties to uh, to the people. So we're going to see some interesting things there. But in the long term, you know. I think in the liberty movement, our our goal has always been to to challenge. I think what Rand Paul branded the Washington machine, right? And e- and even in going after wa- the power structure in Washington D.C., I'm thinking more and more the state legislatures have more ability to fight that than, than Congress does. Uh, you know, if if we get people in who actually understand the power of the states to nullify unconstitutional federal laws. We've got people already doing that. I mean, we've nullified federal cannabis laws with medical cannabis and the legalization of adult use cannabis. Uh, We've got states nullifying uh, federal gun laws with things called the Second Amendment Preservation Act saying, you know, if our guns are are made, sold and used within our own state borders, we are not going to recognize uh, federal gun laws uh, trying to restrict them. But this this principle can be applied so much further. Uh, to to even just attack att- attacking the whole um, taxation structure of the federal government. Absolutely. Uh, we've got, we, I mean, even the Federal Reserve. I mean, we had a, a liberty legislator in Wyoming uh, who uh, sponsored and passed legislation making Wyoming the most uh, cryptocurrency friendly state in the country. Who would have ever thought little Wyoming would be, <laughs> you know, the crypt- cryptocurrency mecca for America? And uh, and that is a direct challenge to the Federal Reserve System. Yes. So there's so many things we can do on the state level. And that is where uh, the you know, these these positions are not so well guarded as congressional positions are. I ran for Congress, you know, this past this past summer. I was the Republican front runner in the race. Uh, and then uh, uh, the neoconservatives under a John Bolton uh, super PAC came in and spent half a million dollars against me, calling me a never Trumper because of stuff I had said in support of Rand Paul in the primaries and in 2016. Uh, so they really guard those seats incredibly well, uh, but they can't defend all these state legislative seats. And if we can take the state legislatures, we can uh, we can defeat the Washington machine by cutting off the supply lines of uh, of their power, their money, uh, and even their bodies that they send into war with things like the Defend the Guard bill, calling our National Guard troops home. Absolutely. You're 100% correct. And, and one more point, um, going back to the, the coalition building that's going to need to happen within the GOP, um, between you know libertarians and conservatives, I mean I, I have libertarians on the show all the time who really don't like a lot of conservatives. I have, a, I have conservatives on the show all the time that really don't like libertarians, and like I, I just need these people to understand. I need all libertarians and conservatives to understand that the enemies of liberty, specifically on the left, do not differentiate between us. <laughs> they do not. They they don't even know the difference uh, between a libertarian and a conservative. They hate all of us equally. And we need to respond accordingly. I, I really do. I, they're, they're coming for us. We're going to see, you know, especially in the next you know, few years, I think we're going to see unprecedented attacks on on the First Amendment, probably the Second Amendment as well. So it's like I, I'm kind of tired of the infighting. I'm kind of tired of the whining. And within just the libertarian community, I'm real tired of the, quote, unquote, you're not a yeah. real libertarian thing. It's like, no more of that. No more of that. The enemies of liberty 
do not care. I mean, they view us all, they lump us all in together, and we need to respond accordingly, I think. You know, I think a great example of this, you know, I was, uh, you know, celebrating the fact that, you know, Ron Paul, Liberty uh, legislators have taken over, you know, the House of Representatives in New Hampshire. And we have a, we have a, a, a free stater, a Ron Paul supporter who is now the Republican majority leader in New Hampshire. And I got this one like libertarian guy on Twitter is like, yeah, but he doesn't support the repeal of the death penalty. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, I, I'm sorry. I think we like, I, look, I support, I don't support the death penalty. I want to see the death penalty repealed. I think that's a great liberty goal to work towards, yes. but we're not going to agree with everyone on everything. Yeah, and and, and 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 frankly, we got bigger problems than that. You think it was bad enough when Lois Lerner and the IRS under the Obama administration were 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 coming after just uh, wait. liberty groups just and wait Tea to Party see what's groups. next. Yeah. Oh yeah, they are gonna they are about to they have they're showing no remorse for any of their behavior the last four years. Uh, they have made it very clear they've got all their full guns out. Uh, you know, you had the former former director, yeah, you know, John Brennan, lumping uh, libertarians in as domestic <laughs> terrorists. <laughs> And they're talking seriously about yeah. bringing the war, the war on terror, home to yeah. America. Yeah. So we've got bigger problems, and and uh, we 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 can't afford to uh, play this, you know, no true Scotsman uh, yeah. test anymore. Yeah. You know, that, if, that's one hundred percent correct. And there, there's plenty, like honestly, from where I'm sitting, I'm perfectly willing to compromise. Like I, there's plenty of non-libertarian Republicans that I believe libertarians should support moving forward. Like. For instance, just an example off the top of my head, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, like he's no libertarian, but did he not prove he's worthy of our support over the last year? I mean, he refused to bow to the press. He refused to shut Florida down. He handled COVID better than probably any yeah. other governor, at least grading on a curve. I mean, he's somebody I could get behind if he, you know, won a, a presidential primary. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and he's yes. no libertarian, but if, if he gets 60 percent of the stuff right, I mean, that's fine. It's better than what we have now. Right. Well, certainly, you know, uh, it, it's like the gold standard. You know, there, there's only one Ron Paul, <laughs> and uh, and I wish we could clone him and and uh, run him for president all the time and and have him hold all the offices. But you know what? There's only one of him. Everyone's gonna, you know, um, very they're very, you know, very. He's a very rare rare person in politics. Uh, but you know, you take someone like Matt Gates. Matt Gates too is someone who's. Who's not a? I wouldn't describe as a libertarian. I'm sure if I analyzed every position he had, I would say there's probably some things I really disagree with there. But has there been anyone outside of uh, you know like Rand Paul, Thomas Massey, Justin Amash? Has there been anyone in recent years who has been a more outspoken critic of the ending, the never-ending wars and the war machine uh, uh, publicly in elected office today than Matt Gates? Like that's something we should celebrate. Uh, but I'm sure many people will say, well, yeah, but he's not a real libertarian. Look at uh, look at these other things. It's like he is challenging probably the most evil machine, uh, the American empire that we have. Uh, this is this is the great challenge of our times. The great enemy is the fact that trillions of dollars of, uh, of ours are, are taken and siphoned away from the productive economy. Our young men and women in uniform are are taken uh, away from productive things uh, they could be doing with their lives. And they're sent overseas to bomb and murder people by the millions. This is this is the great evil. And if Matt Gates, if Matt Gates is willing to stand with us and trying to end this, then I don't care where he stands on. You know, I, I don't I, I don't know where where I'm, 
I, I'm not even sure where the disagreements are. I haven't I haven't kind of looked at everything. Maybe he's uh, maybe there are certain kind of economic issues where where we might butt heads. I, I have no idea. But if you are willing to stand with me as an enemy to the war machine, then I'm not willing to look. I don't want to look that gift horse in the mouth. Yeah, absolutely. Another example, I think, would be like a Christy Nome, governor of South Dakota. You know, I, I, I tweeted a few times in support of her. I mean, she handled covid like a rock star. She didn't shut anything yeah. down. Um, and then a, a lot of libertarians were like, yeah, but she was in Congress and this is her voting record. She, you know, she voted this way on this and this on that. I'm like, all right, guys, uh, they we're seeing the entire country being taken over by <laughs> communist governors, <laughs> literally getting people killed, destroying entire economies, doing profoundly evil things. Like right now, my Republican governor, Mike DeWine, has a, a curfew on this. Day. I'm not allowed to leave my house after 11. OK, you know what I mean? So I'm like, yes, I'm sure. Okay, fine. Christy Nome, when she was a congresswoman, voted to spend too much money once on something. But like, look, who cares? Just knock it off, okay? Like, right. I, I don't, I don't care. Like, if she's one of the few governors that refused to be a a, a dictator in 2020, I, I, she earned a lot of respect from where I'm sitting. Well, absolutely, and certainly, if someone like her were to run for president, I think certainly, yeah, we'd want to go back and look at her congressional record and sure. and try to figure this thing out. But but the fact of the matter is, right now. She is a hero on this one thing that is one of the most important issues in America right now is uh, is just I mean, we've been living under dictatorships in, <laughs> in, in in virtually every state across the country, with a few rare exceptions. She has uh, been a hero in saying no. Uh, because of her, folks like Ron DeSantis, I think, have been empowered to kind of to follow that lead. And hopefully more governors are going to break break uh, break out of this. But uh, but, yeah, no, it's been it's been terrible what we've been through this past year. And she's she's really uh, she's really shown that there's a different a different path. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but uh, the liberty movement is not necessarily in the strongest place right now for for all the people that are obsessed with these these petty this petty infighting it's like look around guys i mean like beggars can't be choosers okay i'm sorry like we're we're, we've taken a lot of a lot on the chin lately okay we have a lot of ground to make up and like from where i see it you know anybody that wants to shrink the size and scope of the state is my ally and it's my goal to lose allies because you know, I, I'm not an anarchist, but I'm not far off. I'd say I'd, I'd love to shrink the the federal government by I don't know 95 percent, right? So, but anybody who wants to shrink the the size and scope of the state by one percent is my ally, right? And I, I hope we lose some allies. I hope we shrink the state by 10 percent, and then a bunch of people get off the liberty train. We're like, okay, well, it's fun while it lasted. We can yeah shake hands, and go our separate ways, and then hey, if we shrink the government by half, all right, a lot of the Ben Shapiro's of the world are going to get off the train and go their separate. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Hey, thanks for helping us out. We're going to keep it rolling. And then we'll just keep we'll keep on losing allies until we accomplish our goals, I suppose. But like, I, heck, man, Joe Manchin is our ally right now, okay? <laughs> because he doesn't want to add D.C. as a 51st state. I mean, trust me, yeah, the, the government the is so Court. big, our government is so dysfunctional that from from liberty-minded folks like us, we have plenty of allies, and we should embrace that. Well, and I think that's one of the things to reflect on. You know, the legacy of Ron Paul is Ron Paul was a coalition builder. Ron yes. Paul didn't say you have to agree with me on 100% of things before I work with you. Ron Paul worked with Dennis Kucinich of all people yeah. on yeah. anti-war. I mean, Dennis yeah. Kucinich on economic policies is pretty a much a socialist. A communist, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe socialist is generous. <laughs> right. But it's like, and frankly, that's how I was. Uh, I was effective during my time in the state senate in Maine. You know, we had divided government. 
Democrats controlled the House, Republicans controlled the Senate. Most major pieces of legislation were dying in one chamber or the other because people are, you know, divided along these really kind of stupid tribal partisan lines rather than actually kind of looking for common ground based on principle. So look, I found a Democrat who supported constitutional carry. We probably disagreed on a lot of other things, but said, hey, you're with me on constitutional carry. Will you be my lead co-sponsor in the House? Let's work this. And we, we got it passed through both chambers. The only state in the country where constitutional carry has ever passed through a Democrat-controlled chamber. You know, did the same thing with welfare reform and medical cannabis and right to try. I'm just following the example Ron Paul set of looking past kind of the R or the D next to someone's name and uh, and and also, you know, recognizing there are areas we disagree. Let's see where we have common ground and let's work on, to make change there. And that's where we can kind of transcend these these the, this tribal partisan politics and where we can actually move our country in a more free direction. A hundred percent. I could not agree more, Eric. Um, thanks so much for doing this, man. Hopefully you'll come back on soon. Don't take two years next time, all right? <laughs> but uh, uh, where can everybody uh, follow you online and keep in touch and get involved with the Liberty Movement and all that good stuff? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Senator Brakey, and you can uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, just my name, Eric Brakey. I'll see you there. Everybody follow Eric. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Um.